Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us is a brother that's part of the Urban View family. Y'all can listen to him right here on Channel 126 on Sundays. We're talking about the Cosm Rashid Show. Do, do I do that? Awesome Cosm Cosm Rashid is here. We're going to talk the Supreme Court. Welcome, sir. Thank you for coming in last minute. Appreciate you tapping always, in. Always a privilege, Karen, to be with you. How are you? Fine. Do you know Pete? I, I know and I love and I admire Pete immensely. So this is a win-win. Okay. Yeah, I was very excited to see Kasim uh, pop Kasim. up here. Kasim. I said his name uh, better than he does, and I don't oh appreciate you correcting <laughs> me. Uh, Listen, I, know. I, I was excited to see Kasim showing up, and I texted him immediately and said I was very, I was, you know, it's, you're at a party and you see someone that you know and like walk in, you get happy. Well, I, t- I said to Smith, we need a smart lawyer. Um, yeah, I'm going to shut and- up now. And Kasim, not only is a smart lawyer, he's running for office, so he understands the political system a little bit, and he's about to run for office mm. again. I'm t- telling too much. But, you know, the, this um, the Supreme Court, there's a bunch of rulings that happened today. The gun rule, which we talked about in New York, where yeah. they uh, allowed now for New Yorkers to conceal carry. Yikes. The one I wanted to talk to you about is the Miranda over. I feel like Miranda, you know, you have the right to remain silent. Did that get overturned today? No, it didn't. It didn't get overturned. It, this is what's been happening under this right-wing Supreme Court: is they are procedurally stopping short of overturning these rights, but substantively making them irrelevant. This is what happened with the uh, Border Patrol case a few weeks ago, and what's happening now. Basically, they're saying the 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 the, the one-line answer of what this ruling was: it was that a person accused of a crime who's arrested and not read their Miranda rights cannot file a lawsuit against the police officer for violating his right to privacy. And so the whole point is that if you can't sue to enforce your rights, how can you say you have those rights in the first place? And and that's what the Supreme court said. Well, no, it's not a big deal because that information that was obtained illegally can still be restricted from the court, but that's the whole point. There's no mechanism to do that in the same way as before. And that's if the person has an attorney who knows how to do that or has the money to hire an attorney, a competent counsel to do that. And and when you compare this with the other rulings, for example, the one from a few weeks ago that said that even if an incarcerated person has evidence exonerating them that wasn't submitted due to ineffective counsel, they can no longer use that anymore. It's a violation of their ability to exonerate themselves. Or the Border Patrol case where if a, a Border Patrol officer violates their privacy, uh, then that person can no longer sue the Border Patrol officer to enforce their Fourth Amendment rights. So, you know, this chipping away at our democracy uh, is extremely disturbing. And, and what's most frustrating about this is that this is not only unjust, not only is it contrary to decades of Supreme Court precedent, but, and I think this is the part that I really want to emphasize, this is what the tyranny of the minority looks like. Mm-hmm. This is being decided by Supreme Court justices who are appointed by presidents who lost a popular election, confirmed by a Senate who represent 40 million fewer Americans in the majority. And now we have to be holden to their draconian, dystopian, backwards ideologies. It is truly concerning, and I'm deeply disturbed by it. That's so well said, and I have nothing to add, but you know who does? Ellie Mistal in The Nation today writing, you know, just the only thing I would add is the history of of why we have Miranda rights. And he writes, before the decision uh, in Miranda, 
police would routinely arrest people and bully them into making incriminating statements without allowing them to talk to an attorney. Ernesto Miranda himself, who the case is obviously named after, was questioned at his home, quote, voluntarily taken to the police station, placed in a lineup and eventually signed a confession without ever once talking to a lawyer. The idea was to end the practice of law enforcement, tricking people out of their constitutional rights, Kasim. Yeah. And, and, and you know, New York Times bestselling author Keith Boykin had a phenomenal tweet uh, where he goes. So as I understand the Supreme Court, the government can arrest and jail you without Miranda rights, execute you even if your lawyer screws up, force you to have a baby and then use tax dollars to support religion. But it can't protect your right to vote or keep you safe from guns. That's where make, we are right now. Make it make sense. OK, uh, so also. The, the, and you have to go it, to church. You have to go to church. Um, Also today, the Supreme Court gave Republican legislative leaders in North Carolina a victory in a fight over the state's latest ID law, voter photo identification voting law. The eight to one decision. Only Sonia Sotomayor was like, this is some bull crap. And I feel so bad. This woman is so beleaguered on this court. Why? Anyway, um, talk about this voter ID law and what are the implications moving forward? Let me just read what Gorsuch uh, wrote that is the illegitimate seat that should have been um, anybody. It probably would have been Merrick Garland, which I think was now would have been a bad choice. But Neil Gorsuch wrote through the General Assembly, the people of North Carolina have authorized the leaders of their legislature to defend duly enacted state statutes against constitutional challenge. Ordinarily, a federal court must respect that kind of sovereign choice, not assemble presumptions against it. In the sole dissent, Sotomayor argued that there was no need for the court to allow the two North Carolina legislators to intervene when state executive officials were already representing the state's interests. Your thoughts, Kasim? Again, you know, this is exactly what I was saying earlier, that this is not an overt. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. They're, they're, they're approaching the line of repealing a, a right by taking away the remedies to protect that right. Oh, well said. And, and, and that's the problem, right? Because they're, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, this is not a repeal. It's still there. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I say, here, you can drink this water, but then I tie your hands down, I, you know, look, the water's right there. Just drink it. But your hands are tied down. What are you going to do? You can't drink it, right? And that's what's happening here. And so what, what they're saying is, look, we're not going to address the constitutionality of voter ID laws. We're simply going to say that legislators can, can get behind and, and you know, and, and stop any kind of restrictions or changes that happen. And, and remember, this is on the footsteps of a North Carolina voter ID bill that the uh, appeals court struck down because it said it was surgically designed to yes. exclude black voters. That That's was the, what, what they actually surgically. said. Yes. yes. And, and, and what they did, for, the, for those who aren't familiar with this, is that these, and I'll call them white supremacists, members of the North Carolina state legislature, because you would have to be a white supremacist to do this. I dare you studied what IDs black voters use specifically their voting habits. And they said, we're going to ban that particular ID. We're going to ban that particular voting habit, nothing else, but only the ones that black people predominantly use so that we can restrict black people from voting. So I'm sorry if you are restricting a person of color or a black person from voting because they're black, you are a white supremacist. There's no other way to look at that. And so now what the Supreme Court is saying is we're not going to address the voter ID law. We're just going to say that the people making these laws have a right to enforce them because that's who they were elect- uh, that's who, who is elected. Ignoring the fact, ignoring the fact 
that these people were elected through voter suppression and gerrymandering, which is often done on racial lines as well. So I would add that work of racism here. Add one thing to what Kasim just said, which is so brilliant, which is if you want to fight, if you want to have an argument, if, if this is for the whites that are listening, when you're talking to the whites and they're saying they're not racist, they'll have all the arguments for what they think racism is and bigotry or whatever words they want to use. But you say what Kasim just said, you say, where are you on black people voting, having equal access to white people voting? OK, well, is, if you're for it, then you're less racist. If you're voting for politicians who make it harder for black folks to vote, then you're vo- it's the most racist thing you could possibly do is vote to uphold voter suppression. That's it. That's how we need to talk to our white friends. On that, um, I believe that the messaging, there's no cohesive messaging. We were, we've been talking about this ad nauseum uh, about how Republicans, they figured out how to dumb down the message. And I don't know whether we go back to Nixon or to Atwater, but they figured out how to, in a few phrases, put a message out that everybody agrees with, whether we're talking about guns they're taking our rights, abortion, the immigrants are coming, they're taking our jobs, they're killing our women, they're, they're raping our women. There's like these, these messages that get codified into people's minds, and it makes it real easy when Republicans run because they're for, for Second Amendment, they're for, you know, the, you know anti-abortion, they're for, you know, like we know what Republicans stand for today. I don't know what Democrats stand for other than we're better than Republicans. And that, that is not a strong enough message to get people inspired to vote, which is why I think uh, this midterm election in November is going to be really horrible. Thoughts? Well, I, I think, look, I, I think that, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to agree with you mostly Karen, but I'll, I'll say one caveat. It is more difficult from a messaging standpoint to be a Democrat, uh, to be a progressive, because that definition of progressive changes, right? I mean, 60 years ago, progressive was considered that you support interracial marriage. Uh, and, and now uh, that, well, it's under attack again, unfortunately. But, but, you know, in the 90s, then that was considered normal. And so you're constantly pushing the envelope, whereas with the conservative mindset, it's always resist, 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 right? It's, it's easier to, 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 be, to pull yourself back than to pull somebody forward. That said... I think where I see the disconnect between the Republican base, I'm sorry, between the Democratic base and the Democratic leadership versus the Republican base and Republican leadership is the Democratic base is a minority majority base. And the Democratic leadership is not. 79% mm-hmm. of elected Democrats are men, nearly 70% are white. And when you have a minority majority party that is still predominantly ruled by rich white men, there's going to be a massive disconnect and Mm. they're going to show up and say, we want your vote as a black woman. We want your vote as an immigrant. We want your vote as an Asian, by the way, we're not going to provide the kind of support to help a party that is represented by minorities to have leadership that reflects those minorities meaningfully. And, you know, Congressman Anna Presley, I love this quote of hers. She says, the people who are closest to the pain must be closest to the power. And when you look at the Democratic Party leadership, look, this is not to knock any individual Democratic, uh, we can have that conversation, but on, on broad terms, there's a disconnect between the lived experiences of Democratic Party leadership and the Democratic Party base. Whereas on the Republican side, 98% of Republicans are white and 89% are men. And they're okay with that. They don't mind that. They're, they're perfectly good with that. 
Michael Harriot talks about how every single point in American history where progress was made on civil rights, on, on women's rights, on LGBTQ rights, on every single progressive civil rights advancement, the majority of white people voted against it. And he's right. But he also points out the second part, which I think is extremely important, where he says that every single advancement that did happen was a coalition of black, white, and brown people working mm. together. So and, and for me, that is the beauty of what America can be, but we need to have leadership that truly reflects so that for us to get our message around. True leadership would re recognize that and step down. You're 80-something years old. You're still in leadership instead of in mentorship. I think that's a problem. And if you don't recognize that your party is global majority, is the global majority, not minority, yeah. the global yep. majority, and you don't yep. make moves to ensure that the global majority is represented in your party, that's the problem. You don't want to give up power. Qasem is here. Qasem Rashid is here. Y'all can listen to him, and you should, on Sundays, of course, right here on Urban View, 10 a.m. Eastern. He's got dad jokes, but he's mostly fighting about fighting for human rights. Pete Dominic is here as well. Stand up with Pete. You can hear him any place you can get your podcast. I want to talk to you about that when we come back, uh, Qasem, because I think we got to figure this out, or I feel like the country's going to be lost, right? Um and it's frustrating because you're right. They keep asking us for our vote and we don't get any, very little in return. But we keep voting. Joe Biden is in office because of South Carolina and Jim Clyburn, period. Period, period with a T. Black people in Georgia showed up and put Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate. Joe Biden has the Senate because of black people in Georgia and Stacey Abrams and Latasha and Cliff, Black Voters Matter, and Glenda Higher Heights and all of that, all the organizations that got together. We can't keep doing this. And and I feel like uh, there's some fatigue, too. Let's talk about that. Do you guys mind if I take some calls? People have been holding on since Pete and I Do were it. talking about um, uh, 55 and over communities. You, oh, wow. Like, yeah, still, still on. But like Bobby in Maryland is still on. Uh, Bobby, I, yeah, thank you for holding. <laughs> holding for three hours. Appreciate you. Hi. Oh, my God. What do we have for him? I don't know. Bobby with an eye. So I think it's a woman. You give him give a prize. He fell asleep two hours it's ago. It's a she. I think oh, no. it's a she. All right. Oh. So Bobby and Marilyn. All right. Oh, Is hi. Karen and Pete. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I've been back here debating with my husband about the whole Herschel Walker comment. <laughs> um, but thank you, Karen, for taking my call. Um, I actually had called and I see you, you, you mentioned so many different things and, um, so many, it's, it's, so, it's such a pack, pack full uh, afternoon right now. But I originally was calling about your, your conversation earlier about the 55 and over community because I literally was having this conversation with my husband. I'm not at that age yet, however my husband is. And uh, we've been looking at downsizing. And I recently put my mom in a senior community, and it's a really nice community. Of course, she's on fixed income, but it's beautiful, and I, it got me thinking, how about we do a senior community? So I want to say to you, Karen, my thoughts on that is how about we start with our Nubian family mm -hmm. and build the community, senior community, without, and I don't know if I'm saying too much on these airways. Yeah, you are, um, probably. You probably okay. are. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. All, All right. right. I'll say less. <laughs> I'll say less. Say less. Those are yeah. my thoughts. 
Yeah, and no, I'll I, see you in Nubian, and okay. we can pick up from there. Yes, we will. We will. Uh, you know, we're not calling it uh with Sumter. What is she? Nubia. What is she saying about building a? The, so I we were talking about the Karen Hunter's community that will be built around her a retirement. Not around me. Time. Not around me. But around, yeah, around certain ideals. No, no, it's a Karen Hunter themed <laughs> community. Not, I was not. told <laughs> that there would that there would be white people would be allowed. Bobby yeah. wants to start with quote right. start with Nubian people. Right. 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 And. And they're white people, and they're, right. and they're white people in Nubia. How about oh, that? Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, Thank so you. There you go. There, there. Now sit down. Sit down. Uh, <laughs> Angelique in Florida, because we're not racist. Yep. There you go. Ha ha. Hi, Karen. Hi, Angelique. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also here to talk about the 55 and over community. Um, I would love to move back home to New Jersey. Um, I'm in Florida now. I've been here like 30 years, but I would like. To move back home closer to my family so if you really do start that i'm gonna jump on it because yeah. right now i'm living in a 55 and over community here in florida and i love it um there's different restrictions but i love it now and what's surely- the what's the makeup and do you ever feel because i when i had a house in florida it was cool and then it got weird when Trump and them, you know, when that energy came, it's like people started showing themselves. I was like, ooh, ooh, no, I can't. I can't stay here. Uh, do you feel welcomed? I do. It's a mixed community. Okay. It's it's more white, but there's enough black people and Spanish people to kind of offset any, you know, feeling of weirdness. Okay. All so right. it's comfortable. All right. So I'll, because I'll jump on it and come back home. <laughs> this is going to be a long-term plan. So, Pete, for for your knowledge, we're working on a hundred-year plan. I'm sure this has to be part of it after today. But yeah. so the Karen Hunter uh, community—it's not, it's not a Karen Hunter community. Will it stop it? The Karen Hunter home for Karen Hunters. Will it have a water slide? <laughs> I like a, a that. Water, where yeah, are you I think on water, water water slide should be definitely involved. I like a water slide. Yeah, I think anybody over 55 should be on a water slide. And how we Uh overcome. So, Kasim, you know, you're not anywhere near 55, but um, and you got little kids. So that's the other thing. I think the 55 and over kids can't come. Right. I think there's no No. kids. No kids. Nobody wants any kids. That's why it's an oasis. We're going to solve the world's problems because we have really brilliant people. Pete Dominic is here. Kasim is here. And as far as 2024 in November, um, who gets to craft the messages? We, we last, last a couple of weeks ago, we had Jamie Harrison on and I was severely disappointed in his, uh, you know, uh, circular conversation uh, and the lack of accountability and, you know, I just feel like nobody wants to be accountable. You have, as I mentioned, people have been in Congress 45 plus years. They don't want to step down. You know, uh, it's just it's frustrating when you have Diane Feinstein on the cover of a magazine. And I'm like, come on, y'all. We, we could do She better. actually was on the to be fair to her. She was on the fire committee, which was the committee that discovered fire. <laughs> I didn't I'm not trying to make age jokes, Pete, because am, you know, I people are sensitive, but you it's know, th- there was, I had I had thoughts about that picture. I was like, I love yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, y'all. You know, her first legislation was passed on a stone tablet. <laughs> come on. D- nothing. He gets nothing for that. 
There you go. I also want to tell you, Brittany Griner is still in custody in Russia, and her wife says that uh, the Biden administration hasn't done enough for her release. Make a deal, she says. Um, listen, there's there's a lot, you know, inflation, gas prices. It's going to be hard enough for Biden with re-election. He is this generation's Carter, who was a very nice man, who really, I believe, cared about people in this country, but was demonized and labeled inept. And and Joe Biden falls off of a bike and they're like, see, but we had a whole ass carnival barker who, you know, uh I don't know, y'all. We were talking off Uh Mike Pete. Help me. Let me let me just say something positive and I'll shut up and let Cosmo take over because he's not only brilliant, but he's also he's always inspired me because he doesn't give up and he's an inspiring guy. But I recently was involved in the Board of Education campaign here in my town where we were up against some pretty brutal uh, racist folks, these anti CRT types, and we won. And it was because we organized and because we worked really hard and because we, we, we stayed hopeful. We won both seats in a very divisive and contested race. And I think people have to try to focus as much as they can on what they can do in their local communities more than anything. We get wrapped up with the national news. And I think everybody can do something. And I think it's all you can do to find the joy in each day to to move on, because there's enough terror and horror all the time. But we can have these small victories and they do happen. Kasim, thank you. Yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to top that. You're right. I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, look, I, I was talking earlier today to a young woman, Kina Collins, young black woman, 31 years old, running for U.S. Congress in the 7th District of Illinois. And yes, this is a plug for her because I want her to win. She's going against a well-funded establishment Democrat. And I think she's going to win because she's been working since as young as she could remember. And what really got her active was the police murder and cover-up of Laquan McDonald. Mm. Uh, she's a fierce advocate for gun reform, gun safety, and she is just absolute fire. And, you know, this is a young person, 31 years old and watching the way she functions and works. And she was telling me in her district from the rich white area to the poor black area due to redlining, there's a 30 year difference in life expectancy, 30 year. And she saw that and said, I'm going to fix this. I can't tolerate this. And she's running for Congress. And so I guess my point to everybody is, you know, and, and you guys might disagree with me on this, that the enemy is not the GOP. It's apathy because no, it if it was GOP, it'd be somebody else. <laughs> it is. And it's got to be white people. Let me just just one more thing. It's got to be white people because Kasim, I think, is doing fine. You know, his, his family is well off, it would seem. But he's still brown. He's still Muslim. He's still marginalized. It has to be the people that are the most comfortable and we've known this forever. Every single black scholar and you know leader told us this from Baldwin to Malcolm X to, to King. And it has to be white people have to step up. And it's hard for us to some extent because we fear being minimized and marginalized ourselves. But that's what we have to do. You can't sit on the bench any longer. I'm speaking to the whites, the comfortable whites. What's in- what, what, what incentive? What would what would make someone give up? privilege, power, or seeming power, because you don't, I mean, there are people voting against their interests. You're not giving it up. You're creating, you're not giving up anything. You're creating a new, stronger, more beautiful network in your community. You give up nothing. You gain friends when you campaign for anything. You meet cool people. How do you get that message across when everybody's being gaslit? I mean, we had Mike Pence today 
or yesterday or Monday, actually, on Larry Kudlow. Did you see this? He said that no president in his yeah. lifetime has lied more often than Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. He was the vice president who was going to be lynched at the Capitol uh, at the behest of the sitting president, his president. Right, and he says that no, no president. Now, they did a they did a fact check, Washington Post and Trump uh, lied <laughs> of the thirty thousand five hundred seventy three things he said twenty one times a day. He lied. That, he lied that, those numbers correspond with how many times he's spoken. But that's a right. distraction like like that shit. Oh, excuse me. Come is on. crazy. That's crazy talk between Mike Pence and, and Cudlow. Well, what's Lepin. the play there? Why even say something that everyone knows is, is gaslighting? Ratings. Ratings, white supremacy. I mean, that that's that's oh, all these folks have left, right? I mean, oh, they were going to kill him if they caught him. There's a great book by Jonathan Metzler called Dying of Whiteness, where he <laughs> interviews uh, poor white people and, and asks them, one, one guy who's dying of liver cancer, why don't you want Medicaid expansion? It'll help you live. And his response was, yeah, but then those black and brown people will get it and will be a socialist country. So I would rather die. They see themselves as martyrs. Pence sees himself as a martyr. He would rather die for the cause of white supremacy than live for the cause of justice and basic human dignity and decency. Bill Barr, other one. And, 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 and to Pete's point, this is where there needs to be allyship from, from white people. One thing that Pete does on his show, he brings in underrepresented communities and gives them his platform and says, go, have at it. He doesn't speak for them. He speaks with them and elevates them. And that's where true allyship, in my view, comes into play. But that has to be a black, white, and brown unified effort for us to truly get to that more perfect union that uh, that that our constitution calls us to get. I well, mean, that's it's, it's that simple. I understand we, your question. Why would a white person? Why would you give up the comfort and the security? I get it, but I, and that's a fair question. But I'm trying. I'm convincing people you're not. You're gaining something. Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna keep talking because I actually am not giving up. I'm just uh, iterating the frustration. But I appreciate you, Pete Dominic, doing your thing. Stand up with Pete. Kasim Rashid doing your thing for the people because he's actually, you know, human rights lawyer. He's out there fighting for your rights. Uh, Also on this channel, 126 Sundays at 10 a.m. Check him out. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.